I chose the reading today from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, uh, because it, it reveals the, the name of God, the unique name of God uh, to Moses, who was to lead uh, the Israelites, uh, his people, um, out of Egypt and out of slavery and out of bondage. And so let's begin today by just getting a little bit of the background information on Moses. Just want to get everybody on the same page. Now, now Moses was born um, as a Hebrew, as a Jew, while the Jews were living in Egypt. Uh, you may remember the Jews got down to Egypt because there was a famine in their land, and it was actually Joseph uh, who was able to bring his family down uh, to Egypt, and his family grew into a great nation while they lived in Egypt uh, for many, many years. But of course, while Joseph you know, had the honor of the Pharaoh at the time, you know, several centuries passed and there was new rulers who did not remember Joseph and who saw the Jews and the Hebrews, you know, as, as undesirables. And so they enslaved them and they put them to work, you know, um, just as slaves. And so Moses was born during this time of slavery and he was born during a time uh, when the Hebrew nation was actually growing and the population was experiencing a boom and the Egyptians began to get fearful of them because of that. So Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave an order that all of the male Hebrew children uh, should be killed for a while as kind of a population control. So when Moses was born, his mother, of course, did not want him to be killed. And so she decided to make a basket and to put him in the river. And in hopes that someone, an Egyptian, would find him and would save him and, and, and would not kill him. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter actually found the baby Moses in a basket in the river. And she took Moses and, and raised him in her own household. So Moses was a Hebrew but who was raised in the palaces and, and the king and the Pharaoh's family of the Egyptians. Now, when Moses was older, he knew that he was Hebrew. He knew his identity. And he saw some of the Egyptians mistreating uh, the Hebrews, the slaves. And he became very angry at the way his people were being mistreated. And in his anger, he actually lashed out at one of the Egyptians and killed him. Now, Moses thought no one saw this, but it soon became apparent that, that someone did see it. There were witnesses to the incident. And then uh, Pharaoh, you know, put out the word that he wanted, he wanted to hold Moses accountable for that. So Moses fled. Moses left Egypt. He ran into, uh, all the way to Midian, it says in the Bible, uh, which is in the Arabian desert. And out there in Midian on the run uh, from Pharaoh, um, he encountered a, a, a family where the, one of the daughters would become his wife. And he got married while he was out there. And he stayed out there for 40 some years. And while he was married, he worked for his father-in-law, tending his sheep and his flock. And that's where we see this famous story uh, this morning from Exodus chapter 3. So Moses is living out in the desert. He's working for his father-in-law. He's tending the sheep. And as he's leading the sheep, it says he went to the far side of the wilderness. And there he encountered a, a bush that was on fire but not burning up. And Moses went over to see what this strange sight was. And, and in this passage, you know, God reveals himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the people of Israel. And um, God says, I'm going to send you to deliver my people. And Moses asked this question, well, who am I that I should go, right? And the Lord's answer is so good. He says, I will be with you. You know, it was enough for Moses to know that I'm with you. But of course, Moses said, you know, well, well, who exactly are you? You know, there, there's a lot of strange things in the world. There's a lot of, uh, you know, people claiming to have the truth. Uh, people have worshipped many different gods and kinds of gods and things, you know, throughout our human history. And in this instance, Moses wants to know, well, who are you? Who specifically is sending me uh, to the Israelites? And what we get is a revelation of God's holy name, a name that is honored by both Jews and Christians. And let me talk now for a little minute about the name of God and what it means. So when Moses, you know, asked God, you know, what is your name? Who shall I say sent me when the people ask? I love God's response. God says, I am who I am. 
So before giving his name, he just says, I am who I am, almost as if to say, I don't need a name. I just exist. Um, it's the very basic verb in any language, right? To be, I am, you know, in Spanish, yo soy, in French, je suis, you know, it's, it's the most basic piece of language that we learn. And God is saying, I am the most basic thing in all of life. I just exist. I just am. I don't even need a name. It's interesting that the verb in Hebrew also means I will be what I will be. So some people translate that both ways. I am who I am and I will be who I will be. You know, I mean, God is just saying I exist and I will always exist. And that's enough. But then he continues and he says, well, you tell them the I am sent you. Okay. So from this verb to be, um, th there's a derivative called I am. And, and that is the word that became the holy name of God uh, that the Israelites honored. Now, this name was Yahweh, and you may have heard of the name Yahweh. And the Hebrews would spell it with four letters, um, Y-H-W-H. -H. And they wouldn't put any um, vowels in between, but that would be the name. But, but it's believed that they would pronounce that Yahweh, or sometimes the W sounds like a V, and it could be Yahweh. Um, so those were the four letters that came to represent the name of God. And in fact, some people just see it as a tetragrammaton, which is just a four-letter combination, not even really a word. You see, the name of God was, was very holy uh, to the people of Israel. It got to a point where they wouldn't even say the name of God. They wouldn't even pronounce his name because it, it was too holy. Um, so what they did was they would substitute another word. So when they would see in the writings or in the telling of the story, this holy name of Yahweh, they would say, we don't even pronounce Yahweh. We're going to say Adonai, which means Lord. So that's why you see the word translated as Lord in the English language. Now, the Hebrew word for Lord is Adonai, which is a name that is also found throughout the Bible, but it's also a name that can be used to describe like the Lord of the manor or the, the Lord among other lords, you know, or even a, a shepherd as the Lord of his flock. I mean, it applies to both lords that we have on earth or masters, but also to God in a larger sense, the Adonai. So here's what the Jews did, if you're still with me. This is a little bit of deep English literature this morning. So the when they wrote out the name of God, right, in their sacred scriptures, they would write Y-H-W-H. Now, they wouldn't pronounce that. They knew that was Yahweh, but they wouldn't pronounce it Yahweh. They would say instead, Lord, Adonai. So they decided when they were writing it down that we want to give people a clue about how to say it. So we'll take the vowels from Adonai, the A, O, and A again, I think, if I'm getting this right. And we would insert them between the Y, between the consonants. And so you, they created this word that didn't really exist. And it was kind of like Yahowah. Yahowah is what, is what the word would look like. But it was never a word they said. They would just use it as a clue that when they got to that word, they would say Adonai because Yahweh was too sacred. Well, now fast forward hundreds of years. And when we're translating it, people in Europe looked at this word and they thought it was a regular word. So they translated Yahowah, and you probably know where I'm going, right? Jehovah. And that's where we get the word Jehovah. So Jehovah was translated from this little clue that they had where they took Adonai and they took Yahweh and they combined it together and everybody knew what it was except people years later translated it, and they translated it Jehovah. So in English, when you see Jehovah, that means Yahweh, or the sacred name of God, Y-H-W-H. And in English Bibles, you'll see Lord spelled with all capitals, L-O-R-D, that is Yahweh, okay? Or if you see Jehovah, that is Yahweh. 
When you see Lord with not all capitals, that's the word Adonai, which means Lord, okay? So we have Yahweh, um, which became uh, Jehovah, and we have Adonai, which is Lord. Now, the sacred name of God, and I'm going to use Yahweh just for, for ease as we go on. The, the sacred name of the Lord is used over 6,000 times in the Bible, 6,500 times. I mean, this is a very holy, very unique uh, name of God. But here's an interesting point about it uh, that I found in my studies that, that kind of leads us into where we're going today. Um, sometimes it was just like, if you just said the consonants, if you just said the letters, yod he va he. If you just said those, yod he va he. Now, I'm not Jewish. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. Please forgive me. I'm sure someone will say it better. But my research was telling me that when you just said those consonants, the ancient Jews believed that those particular consonants were like the sound of breathing. So that God was God's name was like the sound of your breath. Yod, hey, va, hey. And I and I think that's so beautiful because it's almost like reinforcing that elemental nature of God, right? That God is so elemental, so basic to existence, that his name sounds like the name, like the sound of breathing, our very breath. Now we know, um, here's another thing, the, the word for breath and spirit in the Bible is the exact same word, okay? So if you look in Hebrew, the word is ruah, and that means breath and spirit. And then also in Greek, the word is pneuma, and that is also breath and spirit. Now we know the Bible says, Jesus says, God is spirit, right? God is spirit. God is pneuma. God is ruah, which means God is spirit and God is breath. So again, even the sound of his name reinforces this idea that who God is, is God just exists and God will always exist. And God is as basic to life as breathing itself. It reminds me of this old song we used to sing, this is the air I breathe. And I, I'm sure we wore it out, you know, singing, this is the air I breathe. But it was one of those just, you know, emotional songs. But actually it had so much truth in that just one line because God is spirit. God is breath. God is the very essence of life itself. A couple of applications of that. One, in the creation story, in the creation poem in Genesis, it says that God created us. God created the first human by taking the dust, turning it into clay, and then breathing life into it, meaning that we are dust and the breath of God. That is our existence. And that we didn't come alive until God breathed his breath, his ruah, his spirit into us. That we are alive by the spirit of God. And then Paul reinforces the same thing in the book of Romans. And I just wanted to read that for you as well. It's not just our physical life that is because of the breath of the spirit of God. It's our spiritual life as well. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 11, he says, and if the spirit... Okay, this is it. The spirit, which is the ruah, the pneuma, the breath of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives within you. So we see that the very spirit that lives within us is the very breath of God and that the very breath of God is the name of God because God is so self-existent and self-evident that God really doesn't even need a name but from that, that word to be or I will be, this name was given of Yahweh or Yahweh as the one true holy one, living one of God. So we say that God's name is the I am in English. We say the great I am is that holy name of God. And of course, now if we transition to Jesus, 
uh, when Jesus came, uh, Jesus made this bold claim that he was God. And nowhere was this claim more directly uh, given than in John when he confronts the Pharisees and Jesus basically says, I am. He uses that very holy name of God and it gets them all upset. Uh, you see, they're in an argument like they always were over the, the nature of religion and the nature of God. And uh, Jesus is saying, listen, you say that you're followers of Abraham. You say that you're children of Abraham. You say that you're really Jews, but you're not because you're not living that way. You don't really understand. You don't really know. You know, and, and, and they, of course, said, well, what do you know about Abraham? You know, we, we're the ones who are chosen. We're the ones who are special. We know about Abraham. What do you know about Abraham? And Jesus says, what do I know about Abraham? He's like, listen, Abraham saw me and rejoiced. And they were like, what? They're like, you're not even 50 years old. How is it possible that Abraham saw you? What are you trying to say? And Jesus makes this amazing declaration. He said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. Do you now understand that? I mean, it sounds a little weird if you read it out of context, but they understood it. They picked up stones and were ready to kill him on the spot because Jesus said, I am, I am the great I am. And they knew that he was claiming to be God, claiming to be the one true living God, using the holy name that was revealed to Moses in the burning bush. And of course, we believe that Jesus is the very nature, the very essence of God, and that Jesus reveals God to us, meaning that Jesus reveals to us the character and the essence of God. And nowhere does Jesus do that, I believe, more, um, uh, nowhere does Jesus do that better than when he makes these statements of I am. So he makes these I am statements. And friends, that is what I want us to focus on this week. Uh, so this week, we are going to engage in a spiritual discipline of praying together every day. Our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, puts out these resources um, every year for a week of prayer. And we're going to begin our week of prayer um, tomorrow. And uh, there's going to be a booklet that you can download. And that link is going to be made available in the chat on this Zoom call. And that link is also available on our website as well, in case you don't get it from the chat. But we're going to start tomorrow, and we're going to spend seven days in prayer together. And the focus of this prayer booklet this year, the name of the series is Breathe. So you see why I've been talking about this. And then each day focuses on one of the I Am statements of Christ. So we're going to look at the uh, places and pray about Jesus revealing himself to us when he says, I am the bread of life. He said, I am uh, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, I am the vine. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. We're going to take a look at those I am statements of, of Christ. And then with that, uh, there's going to be breath prayers that are given. And um, again, Christians have used breath prayers for, for hundreds of years as a way to connect, you know, our breathing, our very prayer with the presence of God in our life. So that booklet will explain what a breath prayer is. And then there's also um, beautiful images that are chosen for each day. And with those images, we can participate in a thing called Visio Divina, which is a, div a, a sacred looking or a divine looking at something where you look at an image and you meditate on it and you ask God to speak to you through that image. So it's a beautiful booklet. It's available in English and Spanish. Please download it um, today so that you can begin tomorrow morning and download it uh, from the website that's there in the chat, or you can go to our church website and also download it from there. And I, and I believe that this is so timely. I believe that this is exactly what we need to do uh, this week because we once we know God's name and once we know Jesus as the revelation of God, 
then we know our purpose better, right? Then we know who we are. Like once Moses knew the name of God, he, he knew who he was. He knew that God was going to be with him and God was revealing the purpose uh, that he had uh, for his life. And, and I believe that God wants to reaffirm his name and his purpose um, because we've taken the name of Jesus, right? I mean, the name of, if we call ourselves Christians, that means we've taken the name of Jesus. When Moses was going to, to rescue the people from Israel to become the greatest deliverer in their history, he was taking the name of Yahweh with him. I mean, he was going in the power and the authority of that name. And friends, the Bible is so clear that now we go out into our lives in the power and the authority of Jesus' name. And in fact, that's what we're called to do. We're called to glorify the name of God, right? Really churchy phrase that I'm sure we've all heard, glorify the name of God. In our mission statement at Hartford City Church, we said when we planted this church, we wanted to glorify Jesus Christ and bless the city of Hartford and really bless the whole world. But what does it mean to glorify God's name? Well, it, it doesn't just mean that you take his name to where it's never heard before, although it includes that. So you're making his name known to people that have never heard it before. It's not only, you know, taking his name to where people have misunderstood and had wrong ideas about the name of God or the name of Jesus, although it includes that as well. It also includes redeeming and rescuing and repairing the name of Jesus Christ, the name of God, where it has been damaged and misused and abused anywhere in our world. And that's why I believe this week of prayer, of focusing on the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ upon God's presence is so important for this moment in time. Because we all experienced what happened last week, didn't we? We all experienced the horrible attack upon our capital, upon our nation, by those people who were rioting and protesting. And this is why I'm speaking about it this morning, is because they, in doing so, they also carried the name of Jesus in a way that is not right. So therefore, as a preacher, as a proclaimer of the good news, I have to speak about that. Because we saw Jesus on flags, and we saw the cross you know, put up next to a noose, put up next to a Confederate flag. And, and we just have to speak. If, if our job is to, is to glorify the name of Jesus Christ and God in this world, then when it's not carried well, when it's, when it's carried in vain, when it's carried for wrong purposes, we have to speak out against that. And we have to say, that's not Jesus. That's not Christianity. They are not representing Jesus as who he is, his character and his teachings. And, and, and friends, the time has come for us, you know, to, to say that, that God's name, Jesus' name, has been misused and abused and sullied and tarnished in our country. And, and we as, as, as Christians, as true believers, we need to come together. It's not going to be easy, right? I mean, Trump is not the only one who's done this. But he has done it. He's claimed to be a Christian, and yet there's no evidence of Christian character, of Christian morality, of any values of Christ in his life. He's not the only one. There are plenty of people who have misrepresented and misused the name of Jesus Christ. We all know pastors, leaders, different people throughout history who have used the name of Christ for greed or for power or, or to somehow oppress people that are marginalized. We know how the church used it in the colonial days to justify coming to new lands and killing people. We know how the church has used it to justify slavery. We know how the church has used it to justify the oppression of women. We know that the name of Christ, it's not, but this is our moment. This is our time. And I believe that we as a church, as a true church, need to come together. And friends, Satan has divided us. You know, white Christians and black Christians and brown Christians are more divided than ever. 
But God wants us to bring us together in unity. We need to carry the name of Jesus Christ well. And to do that, we need to get close to Jesus Christ. Amen? And the closer we get to Christ, his real presence in our lives, the more that we begin to be transformed, the more that we understand who God really is. And so our response, the way that we're actually going to engage this work to begin with, is we're going to pray together every single day this week, focusing on the Jesus Christ, his I am statements, which reveal his character to us, which reveal the character of God to us. Friends, this is our purpose. Have you ever wondered, you know, what is my purpose? You know, the pandemic has not changed your purpose. Amen. The pandemic has not changed your purpose. It might have changed the strategy or the mechanism or the way in which you fulfill your purpose, but the pandemic has not changed your purpose because, friends, I proclaim to you what is the truth from the beginning of time that God is love. Jesus Christ is God's expression of love to the world, and therefore we, as the body of Christ, are God's gift of love to the world. Let me say it again. If God is love, and Jesus is the expression of God's love, then we, the body of Christ, are the gift of God's love to the world. That is our purpose. And friends, I want us to carry the name of Christ well, because it's never been more important in our history as a country than people see what Jesus is really like, that they see what true Christianity is really all about, that they understand that the name of God as our theme verse says, is a God who heals and a God who saves and a God who is worthy of praise. How many people today, friends, do not believe that God is a God who heals? Oh God, show them that you are a God who heals. How many people believe that God is not a God who saves? Jesus, show them that you are a God who saves. How many people believe that God and Jesus are not worthy of praise? Friends, at Hartford City Church, we are going to commit to be a community of people who redeem the name of God in the earth, who carry the name of Jesus Christ well, who are concerned about the reputation of our Lord and Savior and not about our own reputations. And in order to do that, we want to experience God's healing, God's salvation, and we want to praise and worship him for ourselves as well. And so again, I want us to take seriously this week of prayer where we grow closer to Jesus together. Friends, we find ourselves you know, soaked in so many other things other than God right now. We find ourselves surrounded by things that are not of God. So, um, you know, when we've been, when we're, when we've been fed lies and myth and, and things that aren't true and, and false information and fake news and conspiracy theories that, you know, when there's so much mistrust that's been sown in our world, we need to move closer to Christ because Jesus is the truth when we're dealing with so much fear and anxiety, and I want to acknowledge and speak even the trauma that many, many people of color have felt this week and have felt throughout this year, the trauma that you are experiencing. We need to move closer to the healing, to the peace, to the shalom, and Jesus is our healing. Jesus is our shalom, our well-being mentally and physically. When we spend so much time surrounded and filled with hatred, we need to move closer to love, and God is love. When we're weary, when we're worn out, when we're just tired, we need to move closer to the one who has promised to carry our burdens, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And when we do the work of justice that we need to do, 
when God gives us that direction and we move out in it, we need to be close to the one whose name gives us the power and the authority to bring justice and righteousness and peace on the earth. So friends, whatever situation we find ourselves in, what we need to do is the same thing. We need to move closer to Jesus. And I believe that this week of prayer will help us to do that. Hopefully, you know, set us on a path for the whole year, you know, creating us new habits, new patterns. Uh, so again, how are we going to do that? I'm asking you to download the booklet in English or Spanish. If for some reason you can't download the booklet or you know someone that, that doesn't, that's okay. You can still commit to pray every day this week. Um, I'd like you to pick a time to pray every day and make it the same time. So we're going to start tomorrow and go through next Sunday. Um, to help you do that, and if you want to join with me, I'm going to pray live on Facebook and Instagram every morning at 7 a.m. And I'm going to invite you to join me. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do, you can do your devotional booklet before or after. Um, or if you want to do another time of the day, I'll leave the video up so you can watch my prayer video at noon and then do it, or you can watch the prayer video in the evening. But I'm asking you to pick the same time every day because we need to be intentional and it's only seven days. And if we just say, oh, I'll do it whenever, then you know what will happen. Whenever often never comes because everything kind of runs together. Uh, but let's pray together this week. And I'm going to be online at 7 a.m. every day for prayer. And I encourage you to use this booklet and to focus on these I am statements of, of Christ. Um, friends, I believe, I strongly believe that this is what God wants us to do in this moment and in this time, because we are called to carry the name of Jesus Christ. We're, it, it's a holy name. This I am, this Yahweh, this name that was revealed to Moses, the name of Jesus Christ now carries that same holiness, power, and authority I mean, it's all one God. I mean, it, it's so important that we carry that name well. And again, I believe it's more important now than ever before. So um, so please join me for this week of prayer. Now, uh, for our closing song, I, I'm going to play our worship team's version of The Blessing. I really believe this song has been so powerful um, in so many ways during this season. Um, and, and our worship singers and leaders, Irving and Alyssa, just do a beautiful job.